Nature turned ferocious, as if endowed with a vengeful spirit. Winds with the power of freight trains ripped through forests, leveling ancient trees as easily as a child knocks down a stack of blocks. The storm seemed almost sentient in its fury, targeting anything that stood as a testament to human civilization. Skyscrapers, once symbols of human ingenuity, were engulfed by torrential snowfall. Steel structures groaned under the accumulating weight, eventually shattering in catastrophic cascades of glass and metal. Vehicles that had once conquered highways were now subsumed by icy tombs, their shapes barely discernible under mounds of white. Airports, those hubs of human mobility, became eerie ghost towns. Planes designed to withstand extreme conditions were frozen mid-takeoff on runways, their engines choked by the crystalline air. Not even the most potent antifreeze could combat this sudden, overwhelming freeze. Navigation systems went haywire, then silent, leaving ships stranded in oceans that were rapidly solidifying around them. In a grotesque twist, the waves themselves froze mid-curl, as if time had stopped, creating nightmarish sculptures that jutted out from the icy landscape. Even the equator offered no respite. Jungles that had thrived in constant summertime were now strange hybrids of green and white, their lush canopies laden with snow. Animals, caught off guard by the drastic shift, lay motionless in the snow, their eyes wide open in a final expression of bewildered dread. Not even the scalding deserts were spared. The Saharan sands, known for their oppressive heat, underwent an unthinkable transformation. Dunes that had once shifted lazily in the hot wind now stood still, petrified by the cold. The brilliant hues of a normally golden landscape were muted, replaced by the overwhelming monotony of snowfall. All of this chaos was the inadvertent outcome of an audacious human endeavor. Climate engineers, in a desperate bid to counteract global warming, had released nanoparticles into the atmosphere, designed to reflect sunlight and thus cool the Earth. Their calculations were precise, their simulations promising, but they underestimated the planet's own will to survive. They had aimed to restore balance but instead triggered an uncontrolled chain reaction. The Earth's regulatory systems, thrown into turmoil, fought back the only way they knew how, by purging the virus that had caused the imbalance. That virus was humanity. And so, the Earth, no longer a nurturing mother, became a wrathful goddess, repelling her ungrateful children, banishing them from her surface. Genesis Frost was not just a shift in climate, it was the planet reclaiming its sovereignty, a desperate cry that triggered ancient alarms in the deep recesses of the world. Below the ice, in caverns and abysses that light had never touched, movement began. These hollows were not empty, they were filled with slumbering giants encased in icy chrysalises. They had been sealed away, entombed in the heart of glaciers, lying in the inky depths of ocean trenches. Their sleep had spanned geological epochs, a suspended animation beyond the reach of time itself. These beings were not of the mammalian lineage that humans had come to understand. They were vestiges of a primordial earth, relics of an age where silicon and carbon fused in bizarre combinations, giving rise to entities that defied the very laws of biology. Encased in scales that could rival the hardness of diamonds, adorned in matted fur that seemed almost metallic, they were the first lords of the planet. 
their eyes closed for eons, flickered open. And when they did, the dark hollows were illuminated by a glow akin to molten lava, luminescent, penetrating, and unervingly sentient. Even as humanity grappled with its own self-inflicted apocalypse, the planetary changes signaled to these dormant titans that the time had come. Glaciers, which had served as their icy tombs, were shifting, cracking at their foundations. Tectonic plates groaned as they moved, sending vibrations that resonated with the life forms beneath. No longer would they slumber in their crystalline chambers, the earth itself seemed to be summoning them. The ice around them, which had acted as both prison and preserver, began to melt in response to their awakening. It dripped away, each droplet like a second ticking down on the clock of human civilization. The first monstrosity to stir unfurled its colossal limbs, breaking through the icy crust above it. As it emerged, it shook off shards of ice that clung to its scales, each fragment shattering into a fine mist that was quickly absorbed by the atmosphere. It surveyed the frozen wasteland around it, a world vastly different from the one it had once known, yet oddly familiar in its desolation. It sensed the weakness of the current occupants, their frailty in the face of Earth's newest challenge. And somewhere deep within its ancient DNA, a primal urge resurfaced, an instinctual call to reclaim what had once been theirs. They had waited through the age of dinosaurs, through the era of mammals, through the dominion of man. And now, as the Earth shuddered and screamed, these ancient beings began to rise. The moment they had been waiting for had arrived. Their hibernation was over, and the world above would soon recognize the resurgence of its original rulers. As Earth's climate spiraled into chaos, the technologies that had once bound human civilization together began to fail catastrophically. Satellites, those distant eyes and ears that had allowed mankind to spy on its own planet, were the first to go. Their finely tuned orbits decayed as changes in Earth's atmosphere exerted unexpected drag forces. One by one, they plunged from the sky, fiery meteors streaking toward an icy grave. The collapse of satellite networks had a domino effect. GPS systems faltered, causing air and sea traffic to go awry. Weather prediction, already unreliable in the face of the drastic climatic changes, became virtually impossible. Most critically, telecommunications networks crumbled. Suddenly, people found themselves isolated, cut off not just from distant countries but from neighboring cities and even adjacent communities. In this climate of growing desolation, humanity was reduced to its most primitive state. Isolated and afraid, pockets of survivors huddled in makeshift shelters. The conveniences of modern life, electricity, heating, running water, were now tales from a seemingly mythic past, recounted to distract from the gnawing cold and the even more chilling uncertainty. Amid this breakdown of global society, a handful of scientific outposts still managed to operate, albeit at reduced capacity. Powered by generators and fueled by a desperate need to understand what was happening, these facilities continued to monitor geological and meteorological data. What they discovered was deeply unsettling. Seismic sensors, originally deployed to monitor for earthquakes or volcanic activity, started to pick up inexplicable readings. 
the epicenters of these seismic events were no longer geological fault lines or volcanic hotspots but regions that had previously been covered in layers of ice, often miles deep. At first, the seismic activities were sporadic, easy to dismiss as glitches given the failing state of most equipment. But they grew in frequency and intensity. Soon, even the most skeptical scientists had to admit that something was moving beneath the ice, something massive and powerful enough to send shockwaves through the Earth's crust. These subterranean stirrings were not uniform but clustered around specific regions, as if certain points on the Earth were coming alive. And the movements were not random, they followed a discernible pattern, a coordinated dance that was as mysterious as it was unsettling. Unbeknownst to the dwindling human population, the ancient entities were on the move, converging towards locations that held some arcane significance in their primordial memory. What that significance was, no human could tell. But one thing became clear. In a world already turned upside down, another unprecedented upheaval was unfolding. And as the beings beneath the ice continued their upward ascent, the already slim chances of human survival diminished ever further. In an atmosphere thick with desperation, Operation Revivalist was born. From fortified bunkers and surviving military installations, a last-ditch effort was mounted to understand, and if possible control, the unprecedented threats emerging from the ice. Human hands might not survive the freezing temperatures, but machinery could be fortified against them. Drones, initially designed for surveillance and combat in more temperate climates, were hastily retrofitted to withstand extreme cold and deployed to the far reaches of the icy world. These unmanned aerial vehicles, equipped with advanced thermal imaging systems, flew over desolate landscapes of snow and ice, capturing footage that would later be analyzed by haggard soldiers and scientists. Amid the jagged remnants of the Rocky Mountains, where snow-capped peaks had once pierced the sky, the drones found it. The first of the behemoths emerged from the ice like a leviathan from the depths. Its towering form dwarfed the surrounding ruins of the once majestic mountain range. Despite its massive size, it moved with an unsettling grace, as if it were swimming through the air rather than lumbering over land. Its scales shimmered in the darkness, casting a bioluminescent glow that bathed the icy landscape in an eerie light. Commanders in far-off bunkers issued the order, the drones, equipped with the most advanced weaponry available, opened fire. Rockets streaked through the frigid air, each one a concentrated bundle of destructive energy aimed at the beast. When they struck, the night sky was illuminated by explosions that would have reduced buildings to rubble and tanks to molten metal. Smoke and fire engulfed the creature, enveloping it in a cataclysmic blaze that lit up the night like a second dawn. Yet, as the smoke cleared, it became evident that the creature was unharmed. Its scales, which had shimmered so beautifully moments before, now seemed to absorb the force of the explosions, leaving it utterly unscathed. The drones continued to circle, their weaponry spent, their primary function reduced to mere observers of their own failure. Even without the ability to communicate, the sense of collective disbelief was palpable among the humans monitoring the feeds. Their greatest weapons, their most advanced technologies, had proven impotent against a single specimen of this newly awakened species. It wasn't just the scales. It was the sheer vitality of the creature, 
an ancient life force that had endured epochs in icy tombs that made it seem invincible. As if aware of its victory, the creature let out a roar that reverberated through valleys and soared over mountain remnants, a chilling sound that shook the very bones of the earth. The drone sensors picked up the roar, transmitting it back to the control rooms, where it left an indelible impression on all who heard it. The sound wasn't just a roar. It was a proclamation, an ancient anthem sung by the earth itself. In that moment, as the behemoth resumed its journey, unaffected by human intervention, the last vestiges of human arrogance were shattered. The prevailing emotion was no longer disbelief, but a dreadful realization. Humanity had awoken forces it could neither comprehend nor combat. The balance of power had irrevocably shifted, and the implications of this first encounter rippled through what remained of human civilization like an insidious undercurrent, sowing seeds of fear and despair. The failure of conventional weaponry forced humanity's leaders to contemplate desperate measures. Discussions turned to the nuclear option, a final Hail Mary that could either turn the tide or doom what remained of the planet. But after heated debate, the idea was reluctantly dismissed. The consequences were too uncertain. There was the unnerving possibility that these creatures might not only withstand the radiation but actually thrive on it. Biochemical warfare, considered too risky and ethically fraught in other contexts, emerged as the next viable alternative. Teams of scientists and biologists worked around the clock to engineer a virus, one specifically targeted to exploit the vulnerabilities of cold-blooded organisms. The bioweapon was loaded onto drones, which were sent off with a sense of grim determination. Navigating through blizzards and over frozen wastelands, the drones located their targets. With clinical precision, they released aerosolized clouds of the pathogen directly into the paths of the lumbering creatures. Wind patterns were calculated to perfection, carrying the viral payload straight to its intended recipients. The first creature, and then a second, were enveloped in clouds of microscopic death. Personnel monitoring the situation waited with bated breath. Hours passed. Surveillance footage showed the creatures slowing down. Their movements became sluggish, disoriented. For a brief moment, humanity allowed itself to hope. Maybe, just maybe, science had found a way to turn the tide, to bring down these titanic nightmares. Data streamed in confirming the presence of the virus in the systems of the affected creatures. At isolated military installations and makeshift laboratories, small cheers erupted. Humanity had, it seemed, landed its first real blow. The virus was working, infiltrating the alien physiology of these ancient beings, disrupting their systems. Success, or so they thought. In a cruel twist of fate, the initial signs of success were merely a prelude to a darker reality. The affected creatures did slow, did weaken, but they didn't die. Surveillance drones captured something astounding and deeply unsettling. The creatures began to shed their scales, massive, shimmering plates falling away to blanket the icy terrain like a foreign kind of snow. As the scales fell, something else took their place. New layers formed, darker and more formidable than anything seen before. They were no longer just scales but hardened carapaces, akin to armor, that covered the creature's enormous bodies. The transformation was shockingly quick, occurring over the span of mere hours.
it was evolution on fast forward, a grotesque display of biological adaptation that defied all understanding. These new armored shells were even more resistant than their predecessors. Additional attempts to penetrate them with rockets or other forms of firepower proved futile. The creatures were not merely surviving, they were evolving in direct response to human attacks. The bioengineered virus, humanity's last-ditch effort to level the playing field, had failed. Worse, it had acted as a catalyst, pushing the creatures to adapt and grow stronger. The realization dawned like a cold sun over a desolate world. These beings were not just physically superior, they possessed an almost unimaginable biological resilience. The human-led offensive had only served to enhance their strength, hastening the planet's return to its original masters. The mood in control centers around the world turned funereal. What little hope had flickered was snuffed out, replaced by a pervasive dread. Humanity had played its last, best card and had lost. And as the creatures resumed their advance, their newly armored forms resistant to anything humans could throw at them, a stark truth became inescapable. Humanity was not the predator on this altered earth, but the prey. And the hunt was about to intensify. Humans, once the dominators of Earth, found themselves relegated to hunted creatures. As the days and weeks passed, the bunkers and hidden retreats that served as the last sanctuaries for humanity became no more than trapped enclosures, cages for the soon to be captured. Civilization, already teetering on the edge of total collapse, saw its last vestiges crumble as the ancient beings swept across continents. Skilled in an unknowable form of instinctual warfare, the creatures systematically eradicated human settlements. Cities that had been abandoned due to the freezing climate were not just empty husks, they were now hunting grounds. Abandoned cars and frozen over buildings served as little more than the backdrop to an unfolding nightmare. The ancient creatures had no need for strategy or siege equipment. Their hides, newly evolved to be impervious to harm, were more than enough. They raided bunkers, their massive forms ripping through reinforced steel as if it were paper. Bullets from automatic weapons ricocheted off their carapaces. Experimental laser weaponry, hastily developed as a final means of defense, only produced momentary glows upon contact, as if the creatures were absorbing the energy. Even chemical agents, those last desperate attempts to poison or incapacitate, simply rolled off their armored hides, leaving them unharmed. For humans hiding in these bunkers, the experience was nothing short of apocalyptic. Once impenetrable fortresses became tombs. The arrival of a creature was usually preceded by ground-shaking footsteps and a drop in temperature, as if the being itself carried an aura of cold. Then would come the rending of metal and concrete, a noise unlike any other, heralding the end. They took no prisoners, left no survivors. These were not acts of random violence but a systematic reclamation. In this new world order, humans had been relegated to an evolutionary afterthought, a blip in the Earth's long and varied history. The ancient beings were not just winning, they had won. They roamed the icy expanses of a world they had known eons before humans had even existed. And as they moved, a chilling sense settled over the remnants of humanity, the Earth had returned to its original inhabitants, and humans were now strangers on their own planet. In the face of inevitable defeat, 
a desperate plan was hatched. Some of humanity's remaining scientists, engineers, and leaders orchestrated an audacious, last-ditch effort for survival, an exodus to off-world colonies. Mars and the Moon, once the frontiers of human ambition and exploration, now became potential lifeboats, the last havens for a species on the brink of extinction. The project was fraught with challenges. Time was in painfully short supply, and the conditions were less than ideal. Workshops and construction sites were set up in underground chambers, far from the prying eyes and destructive power of the ancient creatures. Skilled hands worked tirelessly, fueled by the adrenaline of desperation. Rockets, assembled with a blend of ingenuity and recklessness, were the focus of this feverish activity. As launch day arrived, the tension was unbearable. Streams of people, families, experts, what remained of a shattered civilization, were herded into the cargo holds of these makeshift spacecraft. Engines roared to life, drowning out the collective heartbeat of a species facing its own mortality. The rockets broke through the ice and rock, ascending into a sky devoid of the familiar blue, a sky that had turned against them. As they pierced the atmosphere, shedding stages and reaching escape velocity, onboard cameras captured a sight that would be forever imprinted on the consciousness of those who saw it, the ancient creatures, staring skyward as the rockets vanished into the void. Their eyes glowed, not with malice or anger, but what could only be interpreted as satisfaction. Whether they understood the significance of the exodus was unclear. Yet, in that moment, as they watched the remnants of human civilization flee into the cosmos, their stance was clear. They had retaken their planet, restored a primordial balance twisted and distorted by human hands. And as the rockets dwindled into points of light, stars among stars in the cold vastness of space, the creatures returned their gaze to the earth below, to the icy domain that had once more fallen under their dominion. The exodus was complete, but the story of Earth was far from over. Mars greeted the survivors with a harsh landscape of red dust and craggy mountains, but in that moment, it was a paradise, a haven from the apocalyptic terror they had left behind. The spacecraft touched down in the established colonies, hastily expanded with temporary habitats to accommodate the influx of refugees. As they disembarked, there was no ceremony or speeches, only a collective, weary sigh that echoed in the thin Martian air. From the observation decks of their new Martian homes, they gazed back at Earth, which shone in the night sky as a distant star. What was once a vibrant blue sphere teeming with life was now a swirling orb of white and grey, a cold husk caught in an eternal tempest. The sight was a sobering reminder of all they had lost, but also a grim satisfaction that they had escaped. Communication arrays were erected, powerful telescopes trained on their former home. What they saw were storms on a planetary scale, a never-ending whirlwind of ice and wind. And sometimes, when the resolution was high enough, they could make out the dark shapes of the ancient creatures moving across the ice plains. The former Earthlings began the arduous task of adapting and expanding their Martian dwellings. Agricultural pods were developed for food, mining operations established for resources. There was a newfound unity, a communal spirit born of shared loss and the instinctual drive to survive. For the first time in what felt like an eternity, humans felt a glimmer of hope. 
Sheltered within the metallic walls of their Martian colonies, shielded from the lethal radiation and thin atmosphere of their new home, they allowed themselves to believe that they had cheated fate, that in this remote outpost of the solar system, they were finally safe. And so, life on Mars took on a rhythm, a new semblance of normalcy. People adapted, children were born, communities grew. It was a rough, frugal existence, but it was life. And as the years went by, the horrors of what had transpired on Earth became almost like a collective dream, a dark fable told to remind them of the perils of hubris. Yet even in this newfound stability, they remained vigilant, ever aware that they were not alone in the universe. And so they watched, they waited, and they planned, always keeping one eye trained on the pale blue dot that was their past, uncertain of what the future would bring but united in their resolve to face it. During one of the routine mining excavations, something extraordinary was discovered, a chamber buried deep beneath the Martian soil, untouched for eons. It was not of human make, not of any technology developed during the era of human space exploration. Inside were texts, scrolls that seemed impervious to aging, their inscriptions as clear as if they had been written yesterday. The scrolls were brought to the surface and translated with a mixture of anticipation and apprehension. Astonishingly, they were written in a dialect of ancient Sumerian, a language of Earth so old that its origins were nearly lost to time. Historians and linguistic experts who had survived the exodus pored over the texts, decoding their meaning. What they discovered was mind-bending. The scrolls spoke of an epoch long before humans had risen to dominate the Earth. A time when immense creatures served as the guardians of the planet, custodians tasked with protecting the very essence of life. These beings were described in terms that matched the ancient creatures that had reclaimed Earth, entities of enormous power and wisdom, their existences intertwined with the natural forces that governed the planet. The revelations were met with awe and existential dread. These creatures weren't just random monstrosities awakened from a long slumber, they were ancient caretakers, their resurgence not an accident but a form of cosmic justice. Or perhaps, a planetary defense mechanism, activated in response to the cataclysmic changes humans had wrought upon the Earth. The scrolls also spoke of celestial alignments, cosmic cycles that governed the Guardians' periods of activity and dormancy. According to the texts, the Guardians would slumber beneath the Earth's surface, awakening only when the planet's life essence was threatened. In a bizarre twist, the scrolls made it clear that this was not the first time the Guardians had arisen to reclaim the Earth. Nor, it implied, would it be the last. The discovery shattered the fragile sense of safety that had begun to return to the Martian colonies. It was a sobering reminder of humanity's place in the cosmic order, a reality check that provoked as much philosophical contemplation as it did practical concern. People began to wonder, if these guardians were protectors of Earth, what other celestial overseers might exist in the solar system? Were humans truly safe on Mars, or had they simply jumped from the frying pan into the fire? The Martian colonies had been built to withstand a variety of environmental challenges, solar radiation, harsh winds, extreme temperatures. But they were not prepared for what came next. Seismometers, originally installed to study Mars' geological activity for scientific research, began to relay data that left the experts bewildered and horrified. 
seismic activity on Mars had always been relatively low, but suddenly, it spiked. Ground sensors detected tremors, then outright quakes, radiating from deep beneath the Martian crust. But these were not the random movements of tectonic plates. They were rhythmic, organized, almost as if something was moving underground. And whatever it was, it was massive. Panic spread like wildfire. Emergency meetings were convened, contingency plans hastily reviewed. But everyone knew that the options were limited. The colonies were self-sufficient but fragile, built for sustainability, not for defense against unknown subterranean entities. As the quakes grew stronger, structural integrity alarms began to sound throughout the colonies. People gathered in reinforced emergency chambers, staring at each other with wide eyes filled with terror and disbelief. Could it be that Mars, too, had its own guardians? Had humanity's destructive footprint triggered yet another planetary defense mechanism? Tremors rattled the colonies, cracks snaking across walls and ceilings. Power flickered, plunging entire sections into darkness before emergency generators kicked in. It was a scene of utter chaos, humanity once more at the mercy of forces far beyond their understanding or control. And then, as suddenly as it had begun, the seismic activity ceased. An eerie calm settled over the red planet. Monitors showed that the massive object, or objects, beneath the Martian surface had stopped moving, their seismic signatures fading into quiescence. People waited, breaths held, for whatever would come next. Theories abounded, had they been spared, or was this just the calm before a storm even more terrifying than anything they had ever known? Every eye was trained on the monitoring equipment, every ear tuned to the latest reports. But the planet remained still, its secrets buried deep within its ancient soil. Despite the cessation of immediate danger, the atmosphere in the Martian colonies remained thick with dread. No one spoke it aloud, but the unspoken question hung in the air, as palpable as the red dust that coated every surface. Had they truly escaped the wrath of Earth's ancient guardians, only to face another, equally incomprehensible threat? And if so, what did that mean for the future of the human race? The Martian sky, usually a tapestry of pale hues and distant stars, darkened ominously. Sensors and observatories caught the incomprehensible event in real time, colossal shapes erupting from beneath the planet's surface, breaking through the crust as if it were nothing more than a fragile membrane. And as these forms fully emerged, a collective gasp of horror echoed through the Martian colonies. They were the same ancient creatures that had reclaimed Earth, identical in form, from their colossal scaled bodies to their eyes that glowed like molten lava. Questions stormed through every human mind. How was this possible? Could these beings traverse the vacuum of space? Or were they native to Mars as well, a universal constant in a universe filled with variables? The creatures moved with purpose, circling the Martian colonies but not immediately attacking. It was as if they were assessing the settlements, perhaps even the very act of human survival. Was it defiance that they saw, or just another manifestation of the invasive species that had wrought so much destruction? Human defenses were activated, missiles armed, energy shields raised. But there was a collective hesitation, a pause filled with the grim knowledge of their previous failures to fend off these entities. 
What weapons could they deploy when the very fabric of their understanding had been torn asunder? How do you fight an enemy that defies all logic, that seems bound by neither the laws of nature nor the limitations of biological existence? And then, just as quickly as they had appeared, the creatures began to recede. They moved away from the colonies, diving back into the holes they had burst from, descending into the Martian crust until they disappeared entirely. The seismic activity ceased, the dark shadows lifted, and the normal sky of Mars returned, as if nothing had happened. But something had changed, something profound and unsettling. The ancient guardians, or whatever they were, had delivered their message, one that transcended language and culture. Humanity was not alone, and its actions, even millions of miles away from Earth, had consequences. The sense of relief was tinged with existential dread, a realization that the boundaries of human understanding were far more limited than they had ever imagined. The realization spread among the human survivors like ripples on a pond. A profound understanding clicked into place, reverberating through every colony, every mind, every soul. These were not creatures limited by terrestrial ecosystems or confined to one planet's evolutionary history. They were universal guardians, cosmic entities designed, or perhaps evolved, to maintain planetary equilibrium on a scale that humans had never dared to contemplate. Their essence was not just earthly or Martian, it was interstellar, woven into the fabric of the cosmos itself. Theories were rapidly put forth, debated, and refined. Some postulated that these entities were living expressions of natural laws, akin to forces like gravity or electromagnetism but operating on a biological level. Others speculated about cosmic architects, unknown and incomprehensible, who had placed these guardians as stewards of planetary life throughout the universe. These theories, as diverse as they were, converged on a single, inescapable conclusion. Humanity was not the apex predator it had considered itself to be. Instead, humans were just a part of a complex, interstellar ecosystem, one moderated and safeguarded by beings beyond their comprehension. It was a humbling realization, one that prompted both self-reflection and practical action. Plans for the future shifted focus. Defensive measures were still maintained, but greater emphasis was placed on understanding these cosmic entities, on seeking a way to coexist, or at least to not provoke their wrath. Space exploration took on a new hue, tinted with caution and a newfound respect for the unknown. Every probe sent, every planet analyzed, now carried the implicit question, are there guardians here too? The mood in the colonies transitioned from one of immediate terror to a sort of cosmic humility. Lives went on, children were taught revised histories, and scientists drafted equations that included variables for unknown cosmic entities. But beneath the veneer of daily life, a shared understanding united humanity. They were tenants in a universe governed by powers they were just beginning to glimpse, let alone understand.